Hi, welcome to the Dear Mark Project podcast. Thank you for listening. Our mission here at Dear Mark is to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be. On this podcast, we discuss a wide range of topics that tackle mental health and social media. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Pumped to have you. Um, So please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I'm Rachel. I'm a therapist. I'm a a licensed professional counselor or an LPC. Uh, So I work with individuals and premarital couples. So definitely like 16 plus is like my favorite. I love the teens. The parents, not my favorite, but the teens are awesome. And uh, in terms of specialties, so I work with anxiety, assertiveness, highly sensitive people, perfectionism, then of course the premarital counseling. <clears throat> and I'm starting to uh, get into sex therapy to become a certified sex therapist. So that'll take a hot minute, but I'm really pumped about it. Um, besides that, offering online sessions for Georgia residents, so only Georgia residents for now. And then uh, definitely online, so it makes it super easy if you have like a lunch break and you want to have a session or you're uh, driving home, we can maybe have a phone call, we'll we'll figure something out. Awesome. Yeah, so excited to have you here and a part of this podcast. Um, So today we're going to be talking about dealing with social media as a highly sensitive person, and also we're going to get into perfectionism as well. Um, So let's just start us off. So what exactly is a highly sensitive person? Yeah, so a highly sensitive person or an HSP is somebody that has like a personality trait that makes them really like highly sensitive. And so it's not just like a delicate flower per se. It's sometimes like you can be thrown off by really strong sensory input, like maybe a loud concert, loud noises. Uh, maybe it's intense situations like you're experiencing a fight, being overwhelmed or overstimulated easily. I'm definitely one of those of like overstimulated easily kind of people. Um, we can also be people pleasers, perfectionists, which also kind of fits well with my specialties. Yeah. So I guess, you know, people that are out there, how can they know like specifically if they are a highly sensitive person or not? Yeah. So, uh, the way that I found out, and this is just my, my personal story, uh, was I knew I'd always been like really sensitive in general as a kid and as a teen and that kind of thing growing up. But during like height of the pandemic, I was like, hmm, I'm like extra sensitive. So let me see what's going on. And I happened to take an HSP quiz online. Uh, So Dr. Elaine Aaron has a free HSP quiz assessment of sorts on her website. And I can include a link uh, in the description and everything later on. But uh, I took that and I was just off the charts as a highly sensitive person. I was like, hmm, that makes a lot of sense. So the quiz totally helped me. And then from there, I was like, well, I know that these are my people. So let me go and get a training to make sure I can really service that community. Yeah. And if you, you know, are a highly sensitive person, is this something that, you know, you can kind of like just have like once in your life and you can maybe like use tools to overcome, or is it something that you're just kind of, you know, born with? Great question. Um, so it's basically a, a born kind of thing. You are with it for life. So don't, don't think of it as like a terminal diagnosis. It is nothing like that. It is a personality trait and it depends on how you want to view things. If you want to see it as, uh, I personally see it as a positive. I've reframed uh, my thinking to help clients with that as well of like, I'm really detail oriented. I'm really in tune with other people's emotions, really empathetic. I'm able to notice like small changes in environments to make sure people are comfortable. 
So you can choose to see it positively or, or not so great. Uh, it's totally up to you. But in terms of how to, how to handle being an HSP is, uh, if anything, finding a really great therapist that knows some great tools and tips and tricks to help you set boundaries, to help you make sure that you feel um, comfortable to know when you're about to get overstimulated, to notice like those kind of levels of hyperarousal or hypoarousal, uh, those kind of things that can be really helpful to know those things about yourself and be mindful. Those are some really great tips and tricks to figure out how to handle it before you just like skyrocket off the charts of oversensitivity. If people are talking about that they're an empath, is that the same thing as being a highly sensitive person or is it a little bit different? It's similar, um, and I actually just finished up a book about it. Um, I'll have to send out your poor podcast listeners because I have way too many links to look at. But um, I just finished up a book about an empath, and like, there's some very, very similar bits between being an HSP and being an empath. But from what I've understood from the book, and I read it like a hot minute ago, but with being an HSP, it's a personality trait. With an empath, it's... From my understanding, and please don't quote me on this, but it's where you may have experienced something that's like just so there's different levels of empath. So there's like uh, like a nature empath. You're really in tune with like the weather or the earth or nature. And then there's people that may be really in tune with animals and where they may be able to like telepathically know what's going on with an animal. It's from what I understood, there's like maybe eight to ten different kinds of empaths in the world, which is just awesome. And so with HSP as a trait, with empaths, there's like certain types of empaths. I hope that helps to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, bringing it back to social media. So especially when we're on social media, I feel like, you know, everyone deals with things that are different and social media can provide a lot of triggers and a lot of stress that we're realizing. So specifically, Mm -hmm. if you are a highly sensitive person, um, what should a highly sensitive person be like more careful about when navigating social media? Yeah. Oh, so many things. Um, so a lot of my clients are HSPs, which is just so fun. But for them specifically, it's like a lot of doom scrolling. And I'm not sure if your listeners are aware of what that is, but it's just where you like go and escape in your phone, but you're just scrolling for hours and hours and hours. And that that's not helping. And then also there's a lot of uh, HSPs that will like compare themselves to other people. So it's not just like the perfectionism of how can I be better than Sally, but it's also... Uh, gosh, I mean, just comparing themselves in every way, shape, and form of like, well, they seem like they're really chill, that nothing affects them. I wish I could be like that. Why am I so sensitive that it, it can really it can really be an issue of where you just kind of spiral for a bit. And so if you're spending hours on social media trying to escape, like typically <clears throat> if we're on a phone for more than, I don't know, a couple of hours a day, I mean, ideally like none, but we all have our vices. But if we're on that for a long time and we're escaping, we're not dealing with real life anymore. And that can be a a major concern. So we want to find a way to escape overstimulation in a healthy way, in a calming way, rather than like being on a phone and doom scrolling. Um, A lot of HSPs will also seek approval from others through like likes and comments and follows and shares and all those other things on like Instagram and TikTok that... It, it can be overwhelming of, I need to seek this approval, I need to seek this validation that I'm okay, that I'm accepted, because HSPs are so in tune with other people. They're like, okay, well, I know if Sally likes this, and I'm okay in her eyes. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I like that you brought up um, the idea of having to feel like you need to escape from something. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, just even like the past years, you know, people are saying, oh, I'm an escape artist of my life. And it's like, <laughs> it almost has like a negative, you know, connotation to it. But I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes it's necessary to escape. It's necessary to take a break. Um, oh, so. Sure. When do you think that um, that is necessary? And like, what are some coping mechanisms to have a more healthy escape? Mm, Lovely question. So, gosh, where do I want to go with that? I have so many ideas. Um, So to to recap, obviously, we don't want to escape all the time with a phone. We don't want to escape all the time with TV, with, uh, gosh, video games or anything else. It's like a screen because screen and blue light is bad and it strains our eyes and it's just a bad combo personally. Um, So more healthy coping skills could be going out for a walk if the weather's nice I'm going to the gym, just doing some yoga through like a YouTube video. I love yoga with Adrienne. If you've ever done a yoga thing with her, um, listening to music, doing, having like a, almost like a toolkit, a coping, coping box of things that you want to do that you know that if I'm feeling overstimulated, then I know that I can do X, Y, and Z. If I'm in like hyper arousal, if we're like fight or flight mode, then maybe something to help you calm down. If you're in hypo arousal you, and you're like kind of like tapped out and like in freeze mode, you want to find something that's going to kind of like jump you out of that. So like hypo arousal, I'd say like go for some fresh air, go for a walk, something to get your body moving, get out of freeze mode. And then if you're in hyper arousal, you want to do something calming. So maybe like journaling. Um, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of walking, obviously, but finding a way to just kind of calm your system, some deep breathing, yoga, something to, to calm your system. Yeah. And we were talking about hyperarousal versus hypoarousal. Like what's the difference mm-hmm. and how can we make that distinction? Ooh, man. So I'll, I'll tell you, keep in mind, I am not like a trauma response expert by any means. Um, but I know that there's something called like the window of tolerance And so the window of tolerance is where you want to be. That's when you feel like normal, engaged, adaptable, you're connected, like you're doing pretty solid. So if you're in hyperarousal, to make sure I'm understanding what your question was, is like, how do we know when we're in those things? Mm -hmm. Is that right? So with hyperarousal, I think of like anxiety, fight or flight mode, um, maybe impulsive, trouble with sleep and digestion, um... What else off the top of my head? I mainly just think of like anxious kind of things. And then if you're in hypo arousal, I think of like isolating, withdrawing, depressive kind of stuff. Again, trouble with sleep and digestion, but just like kind of pulling away and just kind of like freezing. So that's kind of like the major dis- distinction of like hyper arousal, like you're hyper, you're, you're more on edge and hypo is like you're more isolated and kind of numb. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense a lot. Um, I think that's a great transition into perfectionism. Um, So why um, shouldn't we aim to be perfect, especially on social media? Oh, man, you got some solid questions. Um, So aiming to be perfect is truly unattainable. We are not robots. We do not have coding. We do not have certain sets of rules and handbooks for how we live our lives. So it doesn't really help anybody, especially ourselves, to hold ourselves to an unattainable standard. you'll just, you'll never reach it. And there's always going to be, in terms of social media at least, like there's always going to be someone with more likes, more followers, more something. 
that's going on, you may be tempted to compare yourself with that, but it's not going to really serve you because in the grand scheme of things, having like, I don't know, 50,000 likes isn't going to really show your self-worth. It's your self-worth is based on the things that you do, who you interact with, who you, how you spend your time. And if you're spending your time comparing yourself, then that to me doesn't seem like a whole lot of self-worth going on. Um, so the other things I want to share real quick about like perfectionism and, and social media is like, unfortunately, a lot of perfectionists I've worked with is that we can easily get into like anxious or depressive spirals of where we like start with one thing and just start like creeping and going down a rabbit hole of different I don't know, influencers or whoever else, and we're comparing ourselves and be like, oh, well, Sally looks so awesome in that. I, I guess I have to spend $500 on this. And then it becomes this unattainable standard of looks, of academics, of finances, of how you want the world to see you, um, especially if it's like peers at school, if there's some popular person, that it, it, because all, it becomes like all-consuming. And then that's not really... A, to me a, a fruitful life because you're comparing yourself to somebody else when you're not just living your own life and enjoying what you have I think also when you're scrolling through social media you know just like you said you're seeing all these you know pictures of people that are depicting their lives as you know being perfect and being flawless and I feel mm-hmm. like it's hard to understand that it's not that especially when you're in that moment of you know seeing that and feeling down so what are some things that we can remind ourselves that what we're seeing isn't necessarily a depiction of reality Hmm. So some coping skills. Okay. So the things that I would kind of think of is identifying the thoughts, emotions, behaviors, basically like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, if anyone's had that or looked into that before, is knowing those those main things of your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors of what's going on here when I see this, when I'm triggered per se, um, that it's is being aware of those things, being mindful of how do I feel when I see this? Is this something that's helping me? Is there something that's hurting me? Are the thoughts I'm having about myself or about others, are they helpful or are they hurtful? I think that's a really big piece is evaluating where you are first. And then in terms of like how to stop doing that, I'd, I'd find ways to stop your tracks, stop your thinking as soon as you can. When you notice it, like, okay, not in a mean way of like, wow, why did I keep thinking that I'm a horrible person? But in a gentle way of, okay, I'm aware that thinking that Sally has a better life than me is not helping me. That's being hurtful. I need to find a way to be nicer to myself. And so for me, I think of like affirmations. I'm a big fan of that, of like affirmations, mantras, that kind of thing of, I am grateful for the life that I have. I am grateful for... Uh, my family and friends that support me. I'm grateful for um, my my smart mind and academics that I'm doing the best that I can, finding some affirmations that can be helpful. Um, but I'm also a really big fan of having like a gratitude list, a gratitude journal. Um, there's an app called Three Good Things that I'm a really big fan of. It's free. I'll, I'll send you a link for that too. Um, but with three good things, it challenges you every day. You can set up notifications and it'll be like, Hey, did you find three things that you're grateful for today? And it'll challenge you and you can notice a streak with yourself of like how long you went with finding good things in your life. So at at first it may be like kind of difficult to think of what am I grateful for? If you're like in a depressive kind of mood, which is completely fair, we've all been there, but maybe something like I got up this morning and I made my bed, and I had a nutritious breakfast. If that's all you did today, cool, that counts. 
and make sure that you're nice to yourself along the way. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you brought up gratitude. And I, that's so powerful, and I feel like it's so overlooked as well. And my mm -hmm. the first job that I got out of college, I had an amazing mentor and boss, and he actually gave me a gratitude journal. And I, I just oh, looked nice. at him, and I was like, why? I'm like, do you not think I'm grateful? He's like, just trust me. He's like, just, you know, start journaling and, you know, start yeah. practicing gratitude. And I started doing it. And truly, like, I'm not even joking. It sounds crazy. But everything in my life changed for the better. Wow. Truly everything. I mean, just, you know, my the relationships with my family or my friends, the thoughts mm -hmm. I had about myself. And, you know, and how it relates to perfectionism is that you realize you're like, hey, my life isn't perfect, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm so glad that it's helpful for you. It, it, if anything, it, gosh, it's so funny that you mentioned that story because so many of my clients feel that same way of like journaling, really gratitude list. You sure that that's all you got? And I'm like, just, just hush and try it and see what happens. And then they report back and they're like, well, damn, that, that helped. That helped a lot. I realized that my whole way of thinking has changed. I'm like, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm just lovely at my job, <laughs> but it it's so helpful to just slow down and be mindful and aware of of what you're you're going through and and just be present in the moment for like just a moment, and then you can stress about things later. Yeah, and it, it truly reprograms your brain and your way of thinking. So it's it's absolutely so powerful. Um, and then also besides social media, because that's, I mean, obviously like, you know, one part of the puzzle, but just in your general life, what are some different ways that you can cope with perfectionism? Ooh. So as a recovering perfectionist myself, um, the things that myself and then other people I've worked with in the past have done in terms of perfectionism is trying to get off of social media to stop comparing ourselves, trying to find ways to... Uh, change our thinking, be, be aware of, of what's going on in our lives, of where we're comparing, where it may have come from, like the origin of where it came from. Some people enjoy digging into that. Some people don't, but it at least helps to know where it started. So like maybe it started in school. Maybe it started with the way that your parents raised you. Maybe it started with a certain coach having really high standards and like yelling at you at a game that it can come from anywhere. And then being able to be like, okay, let's say that you were six years old at a soccer game that if that's where it started, okay, let's break it down though and know how it like followed you into your future and to where you are now. Like, okay, well, I started with soccer, but then it turned into, I don't know, AP classes that got really hard and really challenging because you found a peer group that was really challenging you to keep up. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Noticing the origins, knowing where that came from is important first, is identifying that piece, but then from there, Making sure you can pick that apart and know like, okay, I know I can't go back and change my, my six-year-old soccer game, but I do know that I can try and find people in my life that are supportive. I do know that I can work on my way of thinking. I know that I can journal. I can be gentle of my, with myself. A lot of my clients have really enjoyed like writing letters to their younger selves. And that's been really, usually really powerful to be like, hey, six-year-old you, it's okay. You don't have to be um, doing it all and being being the best you can and constantly raising the bar and keeping your emotions inside and all these things because a lot of perfectionists wear a lot of masks in public, but in, the, in their private world, they're just completely exhausted and overwhelmed with trying to keep up with everybody. So those letters are powerful. I mean, I'm always a big fan of therapy 
to have someone to process this with that's not biased, that's not a parent, that's not a coach, uh, that's not a peer, that has their own stuff going on, that a therapist that's just there to listen and make sure you feel heard and understood. Pretty, pretty important stuff. Yeah. And I'm always interested in whether, you know, something is like nature versus nurture. So if, for the example of perfectionism, do you think that it's something that someone is truly born with, or do you think it's more of like an environmental factor? Oh man, you were just full of good questions today. Let's see. So th- this is my personal take on it. So I'm, I'm not like some perfectionism scientist by any means, but I've noticed a lot of it is more of nurture that there's definitely a possibility of some, you know, perfectionism traits or like maybe mom was really like that. So therefore, um, kid is like that as well. But there's such a big piece of like, I don't know how much you know about attachment theory, but just of like how we connect to our caregivers, um, plays into how we are in future friendships, relationships into adulthood. Um, attachment theory is just amazing. I could do a whole episode on that, but the, the premise is that you can have either like secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and like a few other like little side bits from there. But those are the main three. And with perfectionism, if like, let's say we have anxious attachment, we may have a lot of issues with trying to prove ourselves to our parents, to our coaches, to our peers, to ourselves of do better, be better, um, please approve of me, please like me, uh, that kind of thing. And so being aware of how you may have attached to caregivers when you were younger, um, being aware of, I mean, I always think of parents that may have been like really strict, like helicopter kind of parents, that those are really intense for perfectionists. Of, oh gosh, I could talk about that for a whole nother episode. I have so much I could share. But uh, the the biggest thing that sticks out to me is the way that parents model for their kids is really important. So if you're a parent that happens to be listening to this, please be mindful and aware of how you, you share things with your kid to, of how you talk about yourself. If you talk about your appearance and say, Oh, well, I can't believe that I I look like this. Oh, I look so fat. Oh, I look like this, that your kid's going to notice that. And if you say things of like, you know, oh, I did so bad at work. I'm not, I'm never going to compete with Sam. I'm never going to, you know, do well in my boss's eyes. If you're setting that standard for your kid, that's not helping anybody. And that's going to really affect them the rest of their lives because they're seeing that. So be mindful of how you're modeling things. Mm-hmm. Man, it's like you knew what question I was going to ask next because I was going to ask about, um, you know, how can parents uh, model healthy behaviors if they are perfectionists. So I think that's so powerful. Um, and when, let's say that we have a friend that's a perfectionist, but we're not, um, what are some ways that we can like kind of help them through this journey? Yeah. Um, gosh, I, so as, so as the recovering perfectionist a good friend to me, this is just coming off of personal experience here. Uh, somebody that would notice if I was saying something that was harsh to myself of like, oh, well, I got a 98 on the quiz instead of 100, that the friend would be like, hey, that's still an A. You still did great. Don't stop being so hard on yourself to call them out like in a nice way to be like that. That criticism isn't helping anybody. And if anything, it may be if they want to feel uh, they want to be vulnerable to be like, I don't feel good about myself when I hear that from you because I always compare myself to you. 
So how about we find a way to be nice to ourselves together and we can gently call call each other out that that can be really powerful. Um, if you're noticing a lot of concerns of where the your friend is having, gosh, um, having a lot of issues with academics or family or uh, people pleasing, because there's such a big tie between perfectionism and people pleasing. Um, being aware of those things and if you feel comfortable and have that deeper relationship with your friend, be like, hey, I'm noticing that you're having a, a tough time with your family. You're having a tough time with a coach that it seems like you're not setting a lot of boundaries, that you're trying to do everything and be overwhelmed and overloaded. I've had a few clients in the past of where they are just drowning in activities and, you know, honor society and AP classes, IB classes, all these things where they're just drowning because they want to make sure they get into the best college possible. But then they're missing out on the rest of their lives that if you have a really good friend that is dealing with that, you got to gently call them out and be like, look, I'm really worried about you and your health, maybe your mental health of how you're handling all this because this is overwhelming. And from the outside, I can see that you're drowning. But I want to make sure that you're okay to check in and ask those questions. And if they say no, okay, you did your thing, but at least have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's so impactful. And one of the things, one of my best friends is actually a perfectionist. And so that mm -hmm. question I asked you was, you know, for the viewers, of course, is also kind of for me as well, if I'm being awesome. honest. Um, but one of the things that, you know, she mentioned that I've said is, has been really impactful for her is to remind her and say, hey, what advice would you give me if I was in the same situation? You know, if I got a, you know, a 98 mm -hmm. instead of 100, what would you say to me? And, you know, she said, oh, you know, I'd say, you know, you, you did great and, you know, just, it, it's, it's still all awesome. Like, you know, you know, don't try to be absolutely perfect with this. And I said, okay, mm -hmm. treat yourself as your best friend. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. That's a great, great tip, Mara. I really appreciate you saying that. That's great. Rachel, thank you so, so much. This has been absolutely amazing. I'm so excited to get this episode live. Um, please tell the audience um, where they can yeah. find you, um, anything you have going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to, uh, to find me, gosh, I mean, I have a lot of social media places, so there, there's that. But the, the place to probably follow me, that's my favorite, is Instagram. So for Instagram, it's at Sage Counseling Wellness, and there's like cute little underscores in between that. Um, you can also go on my website. I'll make sure you, you have all the links and things for the podcast to access anything you want to go to. Um, I have an entire like freebies page, anything you want of like, uh, how to have a healthy relationship, how to uh, help get your teen to therapy, how to, um, build a, a private practice that they are new therapists. There's a lot of freebies. If you go to my freebie page on my website, feel free to creep on that. Um, I'm constantly trying to do more podcast episodes. If you want to just get some like free therapy tips, just listen to me on podcast. Um, but otherwise just Instagram is probably my favorite and, and my website is the best way to reach me. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, we will have that all in the description below. Um, and again, Rachel, thank you so, so much for uh, being a part of this. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to learn more about how to make social media, a more honest and empowering place to be. Follow us on Instagram at the dear Mark project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.